What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Elevate Experience, the podcast about overcoming struggles and adversity and how that relates to addiction, recovery, and health. I am your host and the CEO of Elevate Addiction Services, Angie Manson. And I'm Dallas Terrell, co-host and life intervention counselor at Elevate. Thank you so much for joining us, and let's jump right in. All right, guys, welcome back to the Elevate Experience podcast. We are joined with Mr. Drew Sanchez. Drew, welcome to the show, my man. How are you? Doing fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Yeah, and so for the audience that are only listening in the audio right now, Drew has a giant Buddha statue in the frame, and we love it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So, yeah, man, Drew, we definitely wanted to get into your story and you would also mention maybe even a testimony i think it's a testimony of faith and of addiction and of sobriety and i'm super excited to hear it straight from you you comfortable just diving right in or should we should we small talk a little longer <laughs> no warm-ups needed let's go yeah, let's go yeah. yes well the, the mic in the floor is yours drew and you can start wherever feels comfortable man yeah well, I'll start since you addressed the Buddha. Yeah, I have a beautiful gold Buddha behind me, but you can only see what's in the camera. So there's also a cross right there. There's an alm sign. I honor all beliefs. And uh, I'm just very thankful for this new perspective that God has given me. And, uh, you know, as far as my testimony goes, you know, I started drinking when I was 15 years old. And alcohol it was a very interesting substance because when i grew up my mother said that i was scared of everything i was scared of everything i was very fearful of things and i think that's because of the way that we were raised it was a very violent household and not my mother she's my best friend still and i honor her for being that saint in that environment hi mom i love you (laughs) but at the age of 15 i found alcohol And what's really interesting is it was almost like the Hulk. It was like the Hulk came out. Every single time I drank alcohol, I became very violent. And you know, I was bullied as a kid. I was bullied in my neighborhood. I was bullied at school. And when I found alcohol, I found that people were afraid of me because I had these these outbursts and this rage that would come out uh, that I'm not proud of to this day. And you know, what's interesting is from the age of 15 until 34, I'm now 38 years old, but until I was 34, I drank alcohol in excess and every bad thing that happened in my life happened while under the influence of alcohol, losing jobs, losing relationships, getting arrested multiple times for violent crimes. And it was all because I was under the influence of alcohol and you know i ended up gaining a lot of weight i gained about 100 pounds i was weighing about 300 pounds wow and every single night i would go to sleep and when i go to sleep i'd say a prayer to god and this always makes me emotional so i'll try and hold it together but i would pray every single night and i'd say god my mother needs me please don't take me i was 300 pounds I was heavy in the chest. I was short of breath. I was constantly sweating. All of these tail signs of something bad's gonna happen, whether it be a heart attack or a stroke. And I was constantly living in fear, but I wasn't doing anything about it. So I'm 300 pounds. And I remember one day I'm sitting on my couch 
And I said, God, I'm sweating. I'm having chest pain. I truly thought I was about to have a heart attack. I said, God, my mother needs me. You know, my mom needs me. Please don't take me. And in that moment, God spoke back to me. Truly, God spoke back. I feel like I heard him audible, but now I know I heard it in my heart. And this is what God said. God said, you're asking me for a whole lot and you're not doing your part. You better get up and do something now. Immediately, I was flooded with tears. I jumped off of the couch. I ran to the uh, refrigerator, threw away all the alcohol, all the meat, all the dairy. At that time, I became a vegan and I started going to the gym three times a day. So I lost 27 pounds my first month, a total of 115 pounds. Wow. And uh, I just became addicted, addicted to exercise. I became addicted to exercise. I became addicted to success. I became addicted to serving my community. And man, this one thing that was a monster for me, this addictive personality that got me into so much trouble. Now this same addictive personality that I had was serving me. It was making me healthy. It was making me successful. So I took all those character traits that I had from being an alcoholic and applied them to my exercise. I was already a business owner, so I applied it to my business. We grew by a million dollars in just two years. It was just this huge amount of success. And, um, you know, I really gained confidence during that time. If you spoke to people who knew me at the bar, I was the one who ran in all loud and obnoxious. Hey, yo, what's cracking? <laughs> but that was fake. That was all insecurity. That's not who I am anymore. If I walk into a room now, I want to have an intimate conversation. I'm more quiet. So it was really interesting getting to know myself again. You know, even at that time when I changed, I lived in downtown Campbell. I lived above all the most popular bars and restaurants. And I remember calling my mom crying one day and I said, I don't know who I am anymore. You know, the places I used to go, I don't want to go anymore. The things I used to drink, I don't want to drink anymore. The things I used to eat, I don't want to eat anymore. And my mom said, stop focusing on the life that you had and start focusing on the life that you want to build now. So then I started applying all these new things and these new healthy um, hobbies. And I'm just so very blessed and thankful for where I am now. And it's a constant journey. I'm constantly growing, evolving. And uh, I'm very thankful. Glory to God for sure. Awesome. I love that story. Uh, it's beautiful. I have a couple questions. Are you sure. still vegan? I'm not vegan. Pescatarian. Okay. So I will have fish once in a while. Um, and it works for me. Yeah. yeah vegan was fantastic. Um, not to say I wouldn't go back to it, but currently pescatarian. So I do eat fish and uh, it feels good. I do some extreme exercising. So it was really hard for me to get the calories that I needed. Right. Let's talk about um, that. Not, what is there like a specific extreme exercise or just the amount of time you exercise? I think just the amount of time. Yeah. So I get really obsessed with like cardio. I think it's just the dopamine that's released and the pleasure that I get from it. So I love doing cardio. I actually go out to Santa Cruz and run the stairs all the time. Oh, yeah, and, nice. Uh, Those stairs yeah, are no so, joke. How many times? How many times do you run up and down? 20. That? Yeah. 20 up and down nonstop. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah your There's cardio is amazing. I'm I'm dying after like three or four. Sure. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's actually CrossFit people who are out there. Always. And they're always seeing me hitting it. And they're like, you're a monster, dude. <laughs> I, tell them, I tell them it's all mental because I don't stop. I run to the top, touch, come down, right back up 20 times. And uh, yeah, that's definitely a superpower as well is the mental strength. You know, there's no timeouts in life. There's no time to catch your breath. I always just tell people, you got to catch your rhythm. When you start exercising extreme, you're changing your breath pattern. Just catch your rhythm. When I go on runs with people, they say, hold on, I got to take a break. No, you don't. You're just trying to get your rhythm. Let's get your rhythm going. So I know how to get my rhythm for sure. Mm, mm. Have you considered doing ultra marathon running? I have. It's funny you say that. I was actually just with my boy Hector in Santa Cruz two days ago, and he's an ultra runner. So he actually just ran one that Goggins was in uh, about a year ago. Yeah. And yeah, I've definitely considered it. I haven't signed up for one yet, but that might be the next for sure. What's up, Hector? <laughs> He's on podcasts all the time, too. He's the man. Nice, nice dude. I love that. And, yeah, I guess just to kind of echo what Angie was saying, what a what a beautiful testimony, man. It's, you know, I've, I've been in this field for about seven years, and I've heard quite a bit of testimonials or just, like, shout-outs to people's recovery and sobriety and kind of how it happened. And, and rarely do I hear just kind of the light switch Usually there's a yeah. light switch, but it's not so um, immediate, you know, like sure. there's definitely like, the, oh, man, I was drunk in bed and I heard something. And then two yeah. years later, I got it together. But the immediate sure. switch or the immediate like just altered state is, is so interesting to me. And my question to you, Drew, is is did it scare you how much like like drive showed up immediately like how did you cope or deal with that what did that feel like just that light switch turning on could you describe that yeah you know what's amazing there were multiple lights that turned on and they all turned on at the same time and it was amazing so with alcohol i knew immediately and i think this is the interesting thing for me i was addicted to alcohol i drank alcohol all the time multiple days a week since i was 15. but the moment that god turned on the light I broke the addiction in that moment. The same way that I saw it in that second is the way that I see it now. There was no desire for it anymore. It was like this. That's what I do when I speak on stages. I have to like do that because that's how yeah. it was. It was a new world. It was a new lens that I saw. But the interesting thing was I didn't only change with alcohol. I changed my diet. I yeah. started exercising. I immediately started listening to podcasts and sermons every single day that day and i never listened to them prior to that mm -hmm. so it's really interesting the way that god molded me in that moment and he's allowing me to use my testimony and it's so powerful back in the day i used to tell god god please remove this remove this anger remove this addiction please take it away and then one day i heard god say man i can't take it away i can't remove it but i can repurpose it Man, God wants to put us on the potter's wheel. He won't take clay out because it's all perfection. He knows what he's doing. But whatever, oh, I'm about to go into something. You ready? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Let's, so, hear it. let's do it. <laughs> I'm in the middle of writing a book right now. Nice. I'm writing a book. And one of the parts that I speak of is something called survive, thrive, and revive. Survive, thrive, and revive. Now, this is helping people find their purpose. What does that mean? Survive, thrive, and revive. That means whatever you suffered with, anything that you've suffered in life 
that is your purpose. That is your calling. So we'll just use me for example. I went to jail multiple times and I survived it. We know that because I'm here talking to you guys right now. Survive, check. The problem is many people thrive. They thrive for a better life. They stay, they stay sober. They stay out of jail. They go get a great job. They get married and they have kids. So they're thriving, but then they're wondering, why do I still feel empty? Why do I still feel this sadness? It's because you didn't finish the cycle. There's a cycle to this. You have to survive, thrive, and then you have to go back. You have to go back to where you came from. You have to go back to where you suffered. And you have to take that wisdom that you extracted and you have to pour it into people who are suffering right now. So when I go back to jails, I'm in there. I remember my first time I ever spoke in a prison, it was 10 years ago. And I'm wearing, you know, a fatigue hat, you know, I'm going in there from the streets and they were like, Hey, we would love for you to come and tell your testimony, but you have to wear a suit. I said, I'm not wearing no suit. I don't wear a suit. At that time I didn't. Now I do. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. At that time I said, nah, this is how I identify with them. And so I went and poured into these kids and immediately they were drawn to me. And this was the thing that I'm telling them and I'm telling every listener right now. I told the kids, one day you're going to be standing where I am, telling your testimony, helping kids in juvenile hall just like you were. So the same thing with all the listeners here. There's somebody who's an addict right now who wants to stop, who wants to stop. Well, guess what, my friend? One day you're gonna be on this exact podcast. And when is that gonna happen? It's up to you. You are the author to your own story. You choose when you change your life. I'm about to go in the Bible right now. In the book of John, in the book of John Jesus sees a man who's paralyzed. And this is what he says to him. Do you wanna be well? Do you want to be well? This is what Jesus asked him. So basically what he's saying is, have you suffered enough? Have you suffered enough? And guess what the guy's reply is? The guy doesn't say, yes, Jesus, I've suffered enough, help me. Nah, that's not what dude says. This is what Jesus says. Do you want to be well? And the man says this, well, nobody will help me. I don't know what to do. He's making excuses. The dude's making excuses like every single one of us has done. But guess what Jesus said to him? Man, get up. You're well. Oh, and while you're at it, take that mat that you've been sitting on for 38 years. <laughs> Woo! Jesus, look at this dude. Look at what he's saying. Do you want to be well? The guy says, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to be well. Jesus says, I don't want to hear your excuses. I'm making you well. And don't forget to take your mat. What's he saying? Don't forget to take your testimony with you. Take your testimony with you so everybody can see what I did. So allow us, every single one of us, to embrace the suffering that we've been through. We don't want to stay there. No, we don't. But let us embrace it just to know this is a part of my testimony. And this is just temporary. Everything in life is temporary. The highs in life, they're temporary. They come down. The problem is the lows in life, people forget that those are temporary too. Man, it's so sad when we see people commit suicide because they made a permanent solution for a temporary problem. Such a great quote. Never yeah. make a permanent solution for a temporary problem. Think about a high time in life that you've had. We always came down. Think about a low time in life. It always will pass. There's never been a storm in life that did not pass. So I encourage anyone who's listening right now who has those thoughts, 
man, reach out to people, this amazing podcast and rehab facility. I'm going to have my information at the end of this. Please call us. We, we love you. I love everybody. God's telling me, I want you to love everybody. Show compassion to everybody on the streets. God just deposited this in my heart the other day because we don't know people's stories. I'm walking by tons of people a day. I don't know your story. So I need to show compassion because you might be suffering, especially the guy in the suit with the great smile or the woman who on the outside looks beautiful. They're suffering. Everybody's suffering in silence these days. We have to find a safe place, a safe place, a men's group, a women's group, a rehab facility. We all need a safe place. Stop putting on the mask. We're all walking around with these masks on. Find a place to take your mask off, a safe place. It's so important. Yeah. What a beautiful call to action, brother. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. No, I love that, man. I think that's super important. And there's so much to like unpack in that too. And I love just kind of the call to service, how you were talking about the survive, thrive and revive. And, you know, it, it's, it's kind of just this experience that I've lived to be, to be true as well, where it's like, my biggest mess was my addiction and now here I am talking about how to solve it and that's just the biggest thing that I care about because it meant so much to me and we know what yep. it's like to suffer and and be on on the the down and down rather than the up and up and it, it's hard to quantify the the truth to it but I just know that it's true and, and I feel like I'm hearing that from you too so I'm glad you put that in the book by the way, what are you going to call the book? Does it have a, a working title yet? It does. It's called The Rubik's Mind. Nice. Okay. Mind. okay. Yep. How it's to solve it. <laughs> yeah, it's about the complexity of the mind, but the, the truth and the purity and the fulfillment that we're looking for, man, it's so easy and it's so accessible, but we make everything so cerebral right. in our head. And it's time to just be still. It's time to go to that quiet place you know, with meditation and prayer. Don't we, we use this brain for the wrong reasons sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we allow do. us to access peace in the quiet and in the stillness. And so I think that's a great segue, Drew, into like how you found the stillness, the quiet, the meditation. Like how did that show up in your life? Maybe was it before you found God and got sober and you revisited or or did you just find it naturally? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, it was actually two years after I got sober. Um, somebody who owned a meditation center here in the San Francisco Bay Area reached out to me and said, hey, man, we see your testimony and the life that you live. We want you to be a part of this. We'll give you free equity. We just want you to be a part of this company. And I said, of course, sure. Yeah, I would love to help in any way that I can. But I never really meditated. Right. And so I go to the first class and immediately I found this calm and it was just so beautiful. You know, I had been to one meditation center before over in Santa Cruz with my friend Bruce, mm -hmm. and it was so beautiful. There was so much peace, and uh, I definitely found God there as well. Yeah. You know, I'd like to share a quick story, if that's okay. Of you course. Know, when, we, when we first started, we were talking about all these things around my house, the Buddha statue, the cross. I have a bunch of psychology books and neuroscience books over here. And when I joined my church, this was just about eight months ago, I, jo I joined this church. And I became very close uh, with my business partner for the fellowship, my nonprofit, and the pastor. His name is Pastor John. What's up, my brother? I love you so much. Um, 
And when I met him, I wanted to invite Pastor John and his wife over my place for dinner. And I said to myself, God, are they going to judge me for everything that I have around my house, the Buddha statue and all my books? So I went into a meditation and it, when God speaks to you, it happens like that. It takes one second. And I closed my eyes and said, God, should I take this stuff down? And God responded. And this is what he said. He said, do you remember when you went to your first psychology class at De Anza College? Mm. And then you went to your car and you cried because it was so cathartic for you. He said, that was me. He said, do you remember when you went to your first Buddhist temple over in Santa Cruz and you found peace and meditation? That was me. Do you remember when you read the book, The Secret, and you compartmentalized God and the universe because you didn't think they could coexist? That was me. And now you found your way to the Bible and to the cross and you're getting to know Jesus. This is me. And what God said to me is, I want you to keep all this stuff up in your house. Always keep it up so that everybody knows that I met you every step of the way. It was so powerful and it was such a great confirmation. That's why I have this just openness to people, no matter what belief you have, I honor it. And I know that Angie does that as well. And we spoke off camera about that and it's so beautiful. It's such a great quality. God will meet us right where we are. And in meditation, he met me as well. And you know, it even says meditation in the Bible. We got to go to a quiet place. Meditation has been so beautiful for me, especially owning multiple companies. It really helps compartmentalize things. It, it puts things in, it just puts things in order for you. And uh, yeah, I'm so very thankful. Meditation has been amazing for me and it has been very, very powerful. I encourage everyone to try it. Whether you get on Headspace online for a guided meditation mm -hmm. or you go to one in person, which is very powerful. Uh, meditation is great. Yeah, I, I highly encourage people to do it for sure. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, meditation, man. I mean, it's there's so much to say about it, and it's hard not to like go down the rabbit hole with it. I know we we've done that a lot in this podcast, but I guess you know the one thing I would say is maybe Drew, maybe you didn't know this, but in Elevate we practice mindfulness, dude, all the time, and. Yeah. It's so amazing to watch it transform people's lives because I think no matter what, if you do it big or small, there's always a takeaway. And even if the takeaway is like, I found a little bit of peace, awesome. Or if it's like, now I'm with the monks in Thailand, awesome. You know, there's just a little bit for everybody in meditation. Absolutely. I haven't seen, I haven't seen harm come from it yet. <laughs> yeah, no. And yeah, it's we, a the thing is, we carry that peace everywhere. You know, I think that's the thing. You don't have to go to Thailand, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to go to a meditation center. You don't have to log into Headspace. You're the one that carries that peace. I love to say the calm amongst the chaos. I can find the calm amongst the chaos anytime, anywhere that I am. We just have to access it. We have to invite it in and it's always accessible. It's so beautiful once you know where it is and it's inside of you. It's not out there. We're always looking out there. Nah, everything's inside and it's always accessible. That's the gift that God gave us. 
Yeah. I mean, and that's that's the fortunate thing for our clients is, you know, they don't have to worry about the worldly distractions while they learn this practice. When you're out there, it's so much harder to be disciplined, to turn off the phone, turn off this, turn off that and be be with that space and in that meditation. And so um, I, I, I myself struggled with it a lot, but I found those apps very, very helpful, like the Calm app and, and those that sort of get you in the habit and the routine of getting into that space until you can learn how to just get into that space no matter what else is going on. Absolutely. And I have to constantly remind myself to do it because sometimes we get busy. Yeah. being business owners or if you have children whatever it may be yeah. we have to make sure that we're holding space for the things that bring us peace i know what brings me peace making motivational videos exercising <laughs> meditating there's so many things that bring me peace but sometimes i get busy and i get pulled away that's why we have to make sure that we drop anchor that way we don't go too far away and always brings us back. And you know, my mom is a great person who reminds me. I remember at one point I was dating somebody and I found myself, my peace was just off. And I called my mom and said, I don't know what's going on. I don't feel like myself. She said, are you still serving as much you were serving? Are you still meditating? I was like, ah, hmm. I'm getting distracted. I'm getting distracted. So nowadays, if I date, I have certain things that are just non-negotiables. This is what I do. For example, one of them tonight, I go to a men's group every Thursday. There's certain things that I do and I, I have to honor those things because they've improved my quality of life. I can't veer too far from them. I have to come back. Meditation, prayer, reading the Bible. You know, behind me, I have this chair and I read the Bible every day and I always have the Bible open. Why do I have the Bible open? Because it's inviting me in. Come sit down. Come sit down. It's always open, and I only sit in that chair when I'm reading the Bible. And the table that it's on, I never would set a remote on there or food or a drink. I truly honor that space. In Buddhism, they would call it a diamond throne. A diamond throne is a place that you connect to a higher power, and that's one of my diamond thrones. I encourage everyone to find your diamond throne. And it doesn't have to be, like I said, in Thailand, it could be in your closet. It could be laying in your bed. It could be in your leather chair in your house. It could be at a park. It could be at a mall. Find some place that you find peace. We have to be able to access that peace. And it's a lot easier when you actually have a geographic location because you build that association as well. Mm. Yeah, I like that, man. Yeah. I think um, a big question I had for you, Drew, and this is, I feel like this might be hard for me to articulate, but I'm going to do my best. Last week, we talked to somebody, and his name was Cody Rain. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He's a big TikTok guy about sobriety. And okay. he has, um, like, he, like, my impression of it is when he talks about getting sober, he makes it sound so easy, right? And yeah. in my experience is the last seven years, it was super difficult for me, and it's been super difficult for seven years worth of people as well. Not that I don't believe that it's super easy or super quick, but his sure. testimony was very similar to yours where he had this, uh, basically he had a life or death experience and it was like in a blink of an eye, everything changed and he had to because his life was on the line much like yours was. Um, sure. Same with mine now that I think about it. I just didn't yeah. want to see the truth. Sure. But I guess what I'm saying is I think like people have a have trouble believing it could be so simple or it could be so easy or so quick and 
my question to you, I guess, is was it as quick as we had this epiphany and everything opened and everything changed? And was there resistance to the change when you had your kind of breakthrough moment? Was there any resistance there? Was it as seamless as you made it sound? Not that I don't believe you, but more because I'm sure, so sure. curious. Was there resistance at that time? Absolutely not. But was there resistance all the years prior to 38? 100%. I yeah, always yeah. knew that alcohol was bad for me. I knew it since I was 15, 16 years old. I knew it was bad, but there's something that I learned and it's any, anybody can change their life right now in this moment. And the only people that are gonna do it are the ones who aren't on the fence. For 38 years, I was on the fence. Oh man, I, I wanna change, I don't wanna drink, ah, but I still like going to games and having some drinks. Oh man, I wanna live this sober healthy life, ah, but I like going to the bar and barbecuing with my friends on the fence on the fence you can't change if you're on the fence mm. and you know i learned something early in life and i really wanted to say this to your listeners because this is really what changed me i remember there's something called a pain pleasure principle a pain pleasure principle and this is what it means let's use alcohol for example when i used to look at alcohol i would say to myself man alcohol's fun i have a good time i go to the club i go to the bar i go to barbecues i go tailgating alcohol's fun and then the person told me this, it said, nah, okay. That's the pleasure you get from it. But now let's look at the pain. Mm -hmm. Every single time that you look at alcohol. Now, I want you to remind yourself of all those times you got arrested. I want you to think about sitting in jail in a 23 hour lockdown. I want you to think about gaining a hundred pounds. I want you to think about all those days being hung over, literally sleeping by the toilet, walking around with a pop, blood vessels in your face from making yourself throw up so much terrible glory to God seriously I never even talk about that I used to vomit all the time from eating too much and drinking too much and I would always have uh, pop blood vessels on my face and I would hide from clients for days until it got better I would hide from family members so I built this association no longer am I looking at alcohol as pleasure now I'm going to look at it as pain and I'm going to think of all the pain. And that really helped me change right then. And I actually did that with uh, food as well. If you talk to my mom, she would tell you man, his favorite food was spaghetti. That boy loves spaghetti since the day he was born. He ate spaghetti. <laughs> but then when I changed my life, I decided, wait a minute. I can't just have one bowl of spaghetti. I eat the whole pot. I eat the whole pot of spaghetti. And then I feel very lethargic. I feel tired. I don't want to exercise. I gain all this weight. And so I did the same thing with spaghetti and I've probably had it like three times in four years. Um, so the pain pleasure principle is very, very powerful. Whatever you're addicted to, stop thinking about the pleasure that comes with it and think about the pain. Think about the pain associated with it because there's a lot of pain and only focus on that. I think that's a, a beautiful parallel. And, and, you know, like Dallas was talking about, not everybody has that point where they're like okay I quit I'm done they need rehab they have to be sort of led there and 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 
I think a lot of that happens where early on we address the pain, you know, what was done to them. But then the big part of the program, and we get so much resistance, and it's towards the end, is writing up all those transgressions, really confronting all the pain and all the bad stuff about using, because it's very easy for addicts and alcoholics to just remember all the good times. And so once they're confronted with all of the not great stuff from that, it kind of makes the decision a lot easier because you start to see I wasn't just wasn't just hurting myself. I wasn't just throwing up every now and then. I wasn't just, you know, blowing things off. You'd like really start looking at the magnitude of all of the destruction and it starts to make that decision a lot easier. And it's really funny because you'll start to see people, they, they, they know that part's coming up in the program. They see other people going through it and they're like, I'm good. I think I'm ready to go. And we're like, no, we yeah. know what's going on. It's okay. Oh, you know, yeah. you're going to get through it. And uh, watching them go through it is a painful process, but seeing the For results sure. on the other side, it's just amazing. That is Absolutely. the, that is the turning point for so many people. 100% and me too you know another thing that I did was separating myself I went into isolation for three years I was still going to networking meetings and doing stuff that I had to do for business but all the friends that I had I wasn't hanging out with people anymore I was just 100% dedicated to health and wellness and I know that was a huge part of my transition because I didn't even have the desire I didn't want to see friends I didn't want to hang out with people I felt like I had so much work to do and I was up for the challenge. You know, there's something in science called initial inertia. Initial inertia means, let's say for example, I wanna exercise. First, just stand up off the couch. Yeah. Just get up, just take the first step. That's initial inertia. And uh, you know, that was something that I had at the beginning that I didn't have before. I had that inspiration and that willingness to take action. You have to take action. I remember hearing somebody say, get inspired but take massive action. Nobody cares about inspiration. Inspiration means nothing. Who cares if you have a great idea for a business if you're not executing it? Who cares if you're gonna write a book if you're not actually putting in the work and sitting down? So allow us all to get inspired, allow something from this podcast to inspire you, but then put it into massive action now. Like right now, pause this podcast and go and do it. Go and run if you've been wanting to run. Go and throw away the alcohol if it's in the refrigerator. Go throw away the food that makes you not feel good. We have to take action now and it's the small things. You know, we get overwhelmed by thinking about the big things. You know, I encourage people too. For myself, I drank, you know, 15 to 20 beers in a sitting when I'd go out with friends and watch games. And the thing is, I didn't want to quit. I didn't want to quit. You know, I think for some people they can cut it cold turkey but for some people, just cut it down. You know, we want to, we want people to be extremists. Stop everything. Stop it now. Nah, just do a little bit. Just drink a little bit less. I remember talking to a guy about smoking. Just smoke a little bit less. You know, you want to exercise? Don't focus on running that half marathon. Right. Let's just go run around the block. You know, we, we have to chunk it. In psychology, they call it chunking. It just means yeah. breaking it down into digestible portions not looking at the big picture so much, just shrinking it down. And I think that's easier for people to digest. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely, man. I've a lot of the things you were saying, the examples that you were giving as far as chunking were ones that I've spoken to for the last seven years. You know, let's just get in yeah. the gym today. Let's just yeah. not punch the wall today. Yeah. Let's just smoke one less cigarette. Like instead of smoking one before dinner and after dinner, let's just smoke the one after dinner. You know, yeah. and then we we'll go to 19 to 15 to 10 to five and 
pretty soon you have this experience that you can cut down and that you can quit. You've proved it true to yourself. Now you yeah. get it. You know, and like you could do that with anything, right? You know, I exactly. do that with running. When I go to San Francisco, I'll run like bridge to bridge. So I'll run from uh, the Bay Bridge to the Golden Gate and back, and it's a total of like 14 miles. But I don't tell myself I'm running from bridge to bridge. Right. I tell myself I'm I'm running to Fisherman's Wharf, and then Ghirardelli Square, and then Alcatraz, and so there's all these little chunks that I'm breaking it up to, and it's all subconscious, really. It's of interesting. course. So we can do it with anything and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think Angie and I, we do it with CrossFit 100%. every workout. 100%. We just need yeah. to get through the five burpees, not a hundred. Yep. We're just yeah. going to exactly. do five burpees and I'm going to breathe and I'm going to do five more. 15 minutes later, I've done a hundred and I'm cruising. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Yeah. I Dallas knows the best way to motivate me is to tell me to do less. He's like, it's okay. And yeah. I know that's a lot for you. You can just do less. And I'm like, Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, once you get that competitiveness, then then uh, you know, letting yourself off the hook becomes like not negotiable. Yeah. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And I'm very competitive when it comes to those things too. And I think, like I said, it's that addictive personality. Yeah. I've just been able to redirect it. It's really a superpower. Having an addictive personality can be a superpower if you just learn to redirect it. And I've been able to do it with exercise. I've been able to do it with business. I've been able to do it with serving. I get addicted to it. And then of course, anything too much can be bad. Right. So it's just finding that, I don't even say balance anymore. I used to find balance. It's just about finding that harmony. I wanna find the harmony of life, being able to do all these things that I enjoy and uh, you know, presenting my best self to the people who I love most. I think that's a mistake I made at the beginning. I was pouring out to everybody. I was giving my best self to everybody. I was serving my community. I was doing all these things, but then I'd come home to the people I was dating at that time. And I remember one thing she said, she said, you're a great speaker. You're a great man. I see everything you do for people in the community, but when you come home, there's not much left for me. Wow. I looked at her like, what are you talking about? Of course, I'm defending myself. The ego and the pride comes out. Yep. But once it really settled in, I was like, man, she's right. I'm giving my best self to everybody out there. I'm giving them my best self. And then I'm coming home with the leftovers. Nope. I had to make that adjustment. And I did. And I, and I, and I love that I was able to do that. Thanks to God, I was able to really recognize the people who care about me and the people who love me. You truly deserve my best self. I got to do what I got to do. If I'm going to pour out to the community, I have to fill myself back up before I go home because those people deserve it. You deserve it. You love me. You support me. You know, they always deserve it. I encourage all of us to adopt that because it's so easy to be an advocate and to give, 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 but then we forget about the people closest to us. Mm. So true, man. So true. And absolutely. a couple of things I want to comment on just because when you say things, you say like eight things that are epic. So it's super hard to, uh -huh. to not comment on all of the epicness, dude. Um, but so the first thing I wanted to say is when I asked you the question of like, where you met with resistance when you had that like aha moment? I didn't really know what I was looking for, but I wanted to ask you that. And when you answered, what you said was that it's possible to change, right? And I think that is kind of what I was trying to articulate is people do not believe, at least in my experience, that we can change that fast. And I love that the guy Cody we talked to last week and then now here you are the next week 
saying the exact same thing because I think it's so inspiring. People have these ideas of how you get sober and how long it takes and where you have to go and this and that. But what if that was true too, that you could just change overnight? What if that was true? And I think it's so powerful. And that was kind of my big takeaway from that. And then the second thing. And just real quick on that too. And also the other is true. You can also change by just doing a little bit at a time and still get there, but do it in a way that's not cold turkey or nothing. Right. So right. both Absolutely. both sides of that are totally true too, which I like hearing. Yeah. Can yeah. I add something too before you go to your second point there? Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm just going to try to remember what it is while you talk <laughs> <laughs> or I'll forget. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think something big that I did as well that can help a lot of people when you remove a poison out of your life, when you remove a poison that's been there for a long time, there's going to be a void there. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a vortex there. So when you remove a poison, you have to plug in productivity immediately. I was able to do that in the moment mm -hmm. when I was 38. Remind you, I wanted to stop drinking for years before that. So I don't want to make it sound like it was, it was this epiphany, but it was a struggle for a long time. I knew that I should change but at that time, I couldn't do it until that one day, until that one day that I made the change and I removed the poison, but I immediately plugged in exercise. Mm -hmm. I plugged in sermons and podcasts and reading and so many different things. Oh, I was getting out doing like extreme things, jumping out of airplanes. I was doing all the things that I ever <laughs> wanted to do. I got this journal and I was just writing things. I, I wrote down how much money I wanted to make. I wrote down things I wanted to do, places I wanted to travel. I started traveling every other weekend. When I went to Thailand, like we were talking about, I booked that the night before. I'm not married, I don't have any kids. I would just pack a bag and go. Nice. I was just seeing the world and doing all the things I always wanted to do. So make sure if you have a poison that you wanna remove from your life, that you know what you're plugging in. Plug something into that place. If you know that you start drinking every day at five o'clock, go get a trainer who meets you at five o'clock at the gym. Go to a yoga class at five o'clock every day. You have to plug in this productivity. So then you get that dopamine, you know, at that same time, that good feeling, that good chemical at that same time. So remove poison, plug in productivity. Dude, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, what a great solution. and. We see that manifest in so many different ways, which I think is the most interesting part about sobriety is seeing what people do with it. Um, yeah. And I think it's a good segue. My second point was that you were talking about like, well, I guess what I was taking away from what you were talking about earlier was like this idea that we all have the the ingredients to do great things. We're just using them in the wrong ways with our addiction being a superpower. Where if I think about me as an active drug user, I was witty, I was a go-getter, but in all the wrong ways. Like I had these great ingredients, I was just making the wrong food with them, you know? And I yeah. think that's always been like a real motivation or, or, or an inspiring thing I've said is that we just use them incorrectly. But the yeah. confidence that comes from knowing we're capable of doing great things is so helpful. Like Absolutely. a lot of people don't believe that they're, they're worthy, they're smart, they're intelligent, they, they have good work ethic, you know? They just see the bad outcome of, I'm an addict, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a loser, I'm this, I'm that. They're just I, using I them incorrectly. In this podcast, the CEO said, Man, I'll hire a drug dealer any day because he, he's got the work ethic. He's got a mouth. 
he's got a mouthpiece. He knows how to do sales. And it's funny because I think about myself. I used to rap when I was younger. I used to I used to make music and rap, but I use that same confidence that I got from rapping to do public speaking. You know, yeah. I didn't become a rapper, but I used that ability to speak in front of crowds, and I got the confidence from rapping. So it's the same kind of thing. If you think about somebody who you know, who's an addict, just use that, use whatever strength that you have. That's a deposit and God will use everything. Like we talked about earlier, there's no accident. There's no part of the clay that God wants to take out. Ah, oh, we can't use that. Nah, God's going to repurpose everything to glorify him. And it all works for the good. Truly. Yeah. We got to embrace it. Embrace the testimony. Take that mat with you. Like I said, from the Bible earlier, man, pick up that mat and take it with you. That's the testimony. 100%. That's why 90% of our staff are all former addicts. They've gone through the program. They got that hustle. They got that work ethic. They know how to work through adversity. They know how to be creative. They know how to think outside the box. We, you know, it's a, it's a commonality that translates to life. If you can remove the stigma of being an alcoholic or an addict, you can do pretty much anything and amazing people. That's why I, I love that that's the majority of people that we work with and we're surrounded by because it's all very like-minded in a positive way. Absolutely. Beautiful. I love that. I honor you guys. That's great. Thank you, Drew. So I guess um, I wanted to kind of get into your nonprofit, the fellowship, and, and talk a little bit more about that. Honestly, I don't know that much about it, and I'm, I'm, I want to hear from you. What, so what is that? What are you doing with it? Where is it going? Tell me all about it, brother. Sure. So I've been doing public speaking in prisons, continuation schools, foster homes for about 10 years. Nice. And I kind of just been doing it out of pocket, just on my own, didn't really brand myself. And then the fellowship, uh, you know, I met my pastor, Pastor John, and he's my brother. He's such a good friend. It's so important to have good friends. Find those people who are safe that you can open up to who are non-judgmental. That's my boy, John. I love you, bro. And him and I came together and he's got an amazing testimony. You know, he was, he was on meth for 14 years. He's an amazing man of God. You guys should have him on here sometime. Mm. He, he is a mentor of mine and I've never had a mentor before. I never looked up to anybody and this guy, you know, I really honor him for the transitions that he's made in his life. And, uh, you know, so him and I partnered up on the fellowship and it really, even the name fellowship, is talking about calling people into fellowship, you know, come out of isolation, come find a group, find safe people. That's what fellowship is. And we wanna provide that safe place for people. And specifically right now we're targeting men um, because, you know, this is, this is just who we can really relate to with our testimony. And, uh, you know, with John being a drug addict, with me, with alcohol, both of us had huge uh, weight loss testimonies. You know, John lost a hundred pounds as well. Wow. And same with me. So we really have things in line. He's an extreme athlete too. He he's good. He, he's real good. <laughs> so um, yeah, we just want to provide this safe place for people and it's going to be health and wellness as well. That's why I love your guys's project as well, because it's so important. It's so important. Health and wellness is so important. The food that you eat, the amount that you exert, um, you know, of course we're going to have Bible studies and just these emotional awareness groups. You know, for me, I was very angry for a long time. I was very angry. The household that I was raised in, it was fight, flight, or freeze. These are the these are the options that we have chemically in our body. But my dad conditioned us. It's fight. It's all fight. And I really had to uh, 
I really had to change my whole mind about the way that I was living. You know, I was raised with my dad telling me stories as a kid before I'd go to bed about street fighting and very violent. You know, he would show me videos of these violent videos. And I'm the one that had to tell him at 18 years old, hey, man, I don't want to see that stuff anymore. I'm really in the streets. I'm out here doing this stuff like and fighting. I, I don't want to see this like this traumatizing me. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to choose this this piece. You know, this didn't this didn't and honestly doesn't even still totally come natural to me. You know, I was meeting with my friend yesterday and I was telling her and I used the word monster, but she gently recorrected. She corrected me and I told her, you know, I'm constantly trying to exercise compassion. You know, if somebody triggers me, I want to exercise compassion. But there's always a monster knocking at the door back there and he's always saying, let me in. I'll handle this. And I constantly have to say, no, no, I choose compassion. I choose love, man. This makes me emotional because it's something that, uh, it's so real. It's so like the, the struggle and the fight is so real all the time because there's just a sense of like, pride, I think, and ego that was instilled in me and in my environment since the moment that I was born. And I constantly have to make a conscious effort to be kind, to be kind. If somebody is rude to me or triggering me naturally, it's not a kind place that I want to go to, but I have to really exercise, be kind, be compassionate. And, you know, God was just telling me that recently. You don't know anybody's testimony. You don't know what anybody's going through here. Just show everybody compassion, please. Show everybody compassion because you don't know what they're going through behind closed doors or in their own head. So, you know, this is still something that I work through all the time. You know, it's so funny because we go on these podcasts and I speak on these stages and on Instagram, I make all these videos and a gentleman just called me on the phone the other day. He said, man, I hope one day I live a life like you live. I said, what are you talking about? I said, I suffer too. I struggle too. I go through stuff, man. I, I struggle on a daily basis. I'm wrestling with stuff. I have insecurities. I'm insecure. I'm fighting insecurity every single day. It's so important for us to air it out. That's why I go to this men's group on these Thursday evenings because man, Pastor Eric, what's up, bro? This guy airs it out. My boy, Pastor Eric airs it out and he's the lead pastor, but he's the one sitting at the head of the table. And he says, hey man, this is what I'm struggling with right now. Very vulnerable. It's so important that we be vulnerable and not put the masks on. I'm sure you guys are great at this too. When we have these groups, let me show you guys. Now I suffer too. Don't look at me like my life's perfect. My life isn't perfect. I struggle. I suffer. I'm fighting and wrestling with stuff every day. A lot of times though, and I say a lot of times because God will correct me if I say I got it down. <laughs> a lot of times I just know where to go. You have to know where to go when times get dark, when you're suffering, you need to know where to go. Let me just get up and go outside and go for a run. Let me meditate. Let me call Pastor John. You have to have these safe places and these safe people. I encourage anyone, if you go through this depression or, you know, just these down times, figure out where to go. Where do you go when you feel like that? Don't just marinate in it. You have to make sure you have a safe place to go. You have things that you do. I have a whole list of things that I get dopamine from. There dopamine's you go. a feel good chemical. So if I really need to, 
I go to that list and I say, man, I, I got to knock something out right now. Cause I'm not <laughs> feeling too good. I'm going to go for a run right now. I'm going to go have my favorite coffee right now. I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to call pastor John. I'm going to go and serve at the uh, food kitchen over in Santa Cruz. I'm going to do one of these things. Yeah. It's so important to have that list. And the best thing that you can do, I'll end with this here. When you're having the best day of your life, the best day of your life, go and give, go and do something kind for someone because that'll humble you. When you're having the worst day of your life, ah, go and give because that will show you and expose you to other people who are suffering. The cure all is to give always. I can go ahead and do things for myself. I can go have my favorite cup of coffee. That's a temporary fix. I can go for a run. That'll release dopamine. That'll bring me back to homeostasis. That'll make me feel good for a little while. But when I pour into people, when I reach out to people, when I give, even when I feel like I have nothing to give, that is when it elevates me out of that down mood. Give all the time. Give anytime you can. It has nothing to do with money. People are like, oh, once I make this amount of money, then I'll give. Oh, man. You don't have to give. Go walk down the street and give somebody a smile because you might save that dude's life. You might save that dude's life by giving him that smile. I love that. It's so small, so simple, and we can all do it. God, man, so true. I'm glad you mentioned all of that. There's, there's a lot of gold in there, Drew. I'm, I hope you know that. That was that was beautiful, man. Yeah, like kind of. I just want to ring it and like that's why Friday nights are are my favorite night because that's when graduation are you know running this business as you know as a business owner or what we are dealing with in life. So many struggles, so hard. It's like, why am I doing healthcare in California? Like, there's just a million things where it's like, man, is it all worth it? And then I go to a Friday night graduation. I see people getting better. I see the wins. I see just amazing miracles. And I'm like. That's why we do it. And like you said, that gives me the dopamine. I could be having the worst week ever and just go and see people getting better. And then I feel better because, you know, you're you know, you're helping and you're changing lives and it's making a difference. Yeah. And can I can I just piggyback on that? Because it's so important what you just said right now. You know, if we're addicted to something, you get a certain amount of pleasure from it. You get a certain quote unquote high from it. What's important is when you remove that. You have to quote unquote, find a new high. And I hope that's not a trigger word for too many people because I don't mean it like that, but I'll give you an example for pastor John, my boy, pastor John, you know, he was on meth for 14 years, but he gets a high now from speaking nice from speaking and it's healthy. So you can get that same feeling, that same release of dopamine from helping people succeed the same way that you felt when you would do a drug or alcohol, it's funny, Stanford did a study and they took people who smoke cigarettes and they said, I want you to come meditate, but we're gonna show you how to meditate. So they took the people and they said, show me how you smoke a cigarette without it in your hand. Ah, well now let me show you how to meditate. It was about the breathing. It was about the, it was about the breathing. And they it said that 92% of this test of people stop smoking cigarettes just from learning how to meditate because they said that they got the same sensation from meditating than they did with cigarettes. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. It's breath work. It's mm -hmm. breath work. We can get the same thing, whether it's from alcohol or drugs or public speaking or seeing a graduation, we just have to find that high in a productive way. 
and it's all customized to whatever it is that your strength is. So for me, I love public speaking as well. You know, when I walk off stage, normally, especially when I'm at a school with kids, man, I go to my car and I cry and cry, but it's happy tears. Yeah. It's all happy tears. I feel so good. My body doesn't even know how to handle it. So I just release <laughs> it in tears, but, it, but it's happy tears. I love seeing kids run up to me and say, do you really think so? Do you really think that I can do it? Yeah, it's so good. Dude, God dang, that's that's beautiful, man. That is beautiful, and uh, I couldn't agree any more. And honestly, I've just been super blessed for this conversation, man. This has been one heck of a time. <laughs> yeah, th this is uh, you know like my favorite time. Like again, talking about another high is getting to meet and talk to people like you, and then knowing it's going to help other people. Like this is. Yeah. Uh, cathartic you know when we started the podcast it was during the pandemic and and I was going through some rough stuff but it has literally helped me work through all my issues because no matter what's happening I get to come talk to people like you and it makes it all better and worth it and I don't even remember what problems I had walking <laughs> through the door because it's just such a an amazing experience because Communication, I love communicating, and it's super cool to be able to be in a position where we can communicate with really cool, like-minded people that are out there doing similar things. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much. It's so important to, yeah, just use this testimony and share it with as many people as we can. You know, whatever people are suffering with, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to hit the Bible again one more time. <laughs> hit it. You know, um, Philip, one of, the, one of the disciples, Philip goes to... Nathaniel and he says to him hey you remember the Messiah that they've been talking about well his name is Jesus and he's here his name is Jesus Jesus from Nazareth and Nathaniel said to him Nazareth what good can come from Nazareth oh Andrew Sanchez the alcoholic from Del Mar High School the one that was arrested three times for violent crimes what good can come from that hmm Oh, Angie. Oh, the one that X, Y, and Z, the one that used to run the streets in Santa Cruz, you know, the one that was doing this, that, and the other that was arrested and that was pardoned for that, that one time. Oh, what good can come from that? Ladies and gentlemen, do not allow your testimony to cripple you because I want to know what God calls me. This is what God told me the other day. He said, Andrew, hmm, your parents call you Andrew, but then the streets called you Drew. But my question is to God, what do you call me? I don't want to go by Andrew anymore. My parents named me that. The streets call me Drew, and I know you don't call me that. God, what do you call me? What do you call me to do here? Allow us all to ask God or whatever it is that you believe. What am I called here for? What am I called on this earth for? Who am I here to help? And I'm here to kind of help you navigate through that because the people that you're meant to help is whatever you suffered with, whatever drug that you suffered with, alcohol, abuse, anything, you're meant to go back and help those people. However you survived, get a pen and paper or your computer and extract the wisdom. What's the life lessons that you got from it? But then don't hoard it. Don't keep it to yourself. That's a disservice to God. Allow us to go back and share with the people who are still suffering. Hey, I was right where you were. I was right where you are. Let me tell you what helped me. Man, that's, that is how we find purpose. That is how we have fulfillment. I had a successful company before I got sober. 
And trust me, I had money and I was unhappy. Life was not good. But now with fulfillment and with purpose and knowing the demographic and the people that I'm supposed to help, this is truly what brings me joy. But every day I have to exercise it. Just because I know who I'm supposed to help, that doesn't give me peace. It doesn't give me peace at all. I have to exercise it. I have to go find people. I'm actively seeking. If you talk to people who roll with me, when I'm in the streets, I'm looking. I'm looking for people. God, who do you want me to help? Who am I supposed to help today? And I'll deliver a message. I'll, I will I will get a download from God and say, <laughs> I, got a word. I got a word for you. That happened to a police officer the other day. God put something on my heart and said, go get that police officer. You need to tell him something. I went and got the police officer, brought him outside. I said, I think I have a word for you. I delivered a message to him. He said, how'd you know that? How'd you know that? I'm just the messenger, bro. So allow us to find that quiet place. Allow us to access that calm and that peace because God is always trying to speak to us. There's nothing special about me that somebody else doesn't have. The thing that I know about God is though, he works in a whisper. God will whisper to you. And we can't hear God when we're amongst the chaos. God's always trying to talk to us. He's trying to talk to you guys. He's trying to talk to me. But when I'm being too loud and I'm amongst chaos, I can't hear him. But he's constantly saying, Andrew, listen, I'm trying to help you. But I have to wait and get to a quiet place so that I can hear the whisper. God always works in a whisper. And I love that because that makes us go to that quiet place. Because I know if I go to a quiet place, I can hear God's voice. Mm. Whoo! <laughs> I love that. That was heavy, man. That was heavy in a very great way. Yeah. And again, just reaffirming the, you know, the space and the peace and meditation. Like if you don't give yourself that space, when are when are you going to hear the whisper? When are you going to know? Um I know for myself that that was I was so inundated with uh you know, TV, like I got to go to sleep with the TV on. I got to, you know, while I'm running, I want to listen to this podcast while I'm doing this. Like I just constantly am filling uh, my world with, oh, I got to talk to this person while I'm doing that. And, and it never gave myself space or peace to allow the miracles to happen. So I love that you say that because it is it's a practice it's an effort because it's really easy to fill all those spaces with stuff i should be doing i could do this too or that and so it's really um you know it seems like the simplest thing in the world is just to shut everything off and give yourself space but it's almost the hardest thing in the world especially these days where we're so conditioned by constant uh influx exactly. of everything yeah it's counterintuitive like we were saying like especially where we are move yeah. move move go yeah. go go yeah and it's like nah it's time to pull back and I have to constantly remind myself because I am the guy who's running. Even this morning, I'm running, I'm listening to a podcast, mm -hmm. you know, constantly staying busy. But I will say when I hear the prompt of God, I have two prayers that I ask myself. I say, God, give me discernment. I want to hear your voice, God. I want to hear your voice. And I want to know that it's yours because I have my voice and my ego. Mm -hmm. And then there's kind of a darker voice too. So I want to make sure I know God's voice. Prayer number one is discernment. Prayer number two are the prompts. God, I want to hear the prompts. Tell me to do something and I'll do it. Tell me. So if I'm busy, if I have a podcast in, or if I'm over here working at my desk and God says, go sit down, I'll go sit down. You know, I'll go sit with the Bible. And a lot of times I'll be like, really got him in the middle of something. <laughs> <laughs> go sit. I got something to tell you. So it's important that we hold space for that. 
Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that was good, man. That was good. You're like, God, I'm in the middle of something, man. You know? Oh, yeah. God's cool like that, man. Yeah. Man, God's way cooler than people know. When I pray over at church and I pray with people, I'm like, God, you're so cool, God. And people are like this. Their eyes are closed and they're like, they're opening their eyes like, what in the world's going on? This dude just talking to God like he's his homie. I'm like, that is my homie. He's godly. I'll be tapping in with God all day. Yeah, dude. I love it, man. I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, Drew, I think people, where could people find you, man? Because I think they're going to really dig you and your message and what you're saying. And, you know, if the people want more of Mr. Drew, where can they go, brother? Yeah, there's tons of videos, you know, just like you with the podcast. I actually started doing these motivational videos on Instagram. Nice. Right when COVID struck, mm -hmm. right when it struck, God spoke to me and said, people need a good word, just positivity, just send love out there, life lessons, things that you've learned. And everything that I talk about is stuff that I've struggled with or struggle with. Yeah. So it's so funny because people are like, oh, Drew's a know-it-all. It's like, no, it's not. Drew actually struggles a lot. Look at all of his videos. Yeah. He's got problems. Drew's talking um, to himself in those videos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. No, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So Instagram, uh, v.fellowship.inc. Gotcha. Um, and then, yeah, email. And when I say this stuff, guys, uh, come to my Instagram or email me because you want help. Like, I'm true. This is selfless. Like, I don't care about views. I could care less. I would rather you just send me a message and tell me if there's something you're struggling with, even if you just need somebody to listen. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm quick to listen and I'm learning to be slow to speak. Even though I have a lot of videos of me speaking, I truly want to hold space for people. I want to have that safe space. Um, email as well, uh, thefellowship2021 at gmail.com. And um, of course, in our Facebook, Drew Sanchez. Um, so yeah, anywhere that you can find me, whether it's Instagram, you can email me or Facebook, uh, reach out. If I said something that, you know, struck a chord in you, um, I would love to either clarify if you would like for me to do that or to hold space to give you support. Or if you have something that you can teach me and correct me for something that I said, I'm always open to correction. Um, so I thank you to anybody who's listening. And I hope that something we said today resonated with you. And uh, I just know there's a beautiful life waiting for everyone on the other side of resistance. It's on the other side of that resistance. Many times we hit that wall and then we retreat. You got to know on the other side of resistance is bliss. That's where your life is waiting for you that you deserve. So God bless everybody. God bless you guys for giving me the opportunity today. I hope to meet you in person too. Yeah, we might have to do the next one, the next episode in person, man. We're only 30 minutes away from each other. Yeah, you come over here all the time. We should have just done this one live. Next time we'll yeah. do it live. I'm excited. I would love it. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank well, you guys so much. Yeah, thank you, Drew. This has been powerful, man. And I'm I'm 100% certain the audience will have a big takeaway from this. There's, there's no way not to, you know. There's just no way not to. And I appreciate you and what you're doing out there in the world and we all got some similar messages, and I think one day at a time we'll be able to keep supplying hope and, and tackling the mess that's out there in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for inspiring me today. I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Oh, thank you guys so much. Thank you for your time. I hope you both have an amazing day. Same. Thank you, Drew. Likewise, man. Likewise. We're going to go get some dopamine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, some what? <laughs> some dopamine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My brain thinks All too right, fast. <laughs> All right, Drew. Take care, brother. All right. God bless you guys. Thank you. You too. All right, brother. Bye. Bye. 
All right, guys, that's our show for today. We hope you found some value from listening. And if you did, please share with someone you know or love. You can find us on social media. We are at Elevate Addiction Services. And if you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, please call our toll-free confidential 24-hour helpline at 833-33-SOBER or visit our website at elevaterehab.org.